Hello, regular listeners. Welcome to Black Men Speak, a podcast that highlights ordinary black men doing extraordinary things. I am your host, Keith Den. I know I mentioned in my last episode that we would have a special project. I wanted to hear the voice of black men on college campuses, specifically predominantly white institutions or PWIs, where unless you're an athlete, your voice could be invisible. So I decided to partner up with my alma mater, Georgetown University, and their VIEW program, which stands for Virtual Immersion and Experiential Work, that aims to provide students with opportunities to develop real-world resume-building skills through short-term project work completed in a virtual environment. This program was so successful in supporting my podcast journey that I figured I would do it again. The next few episodes will feature two current students at Georgetown University, Tiara Cunningham and Michaela Jeffries. Taylor Cunningham is a sophomore in the College of Arts and Sciences, studying psychology and journalism. She is from the state of Georgia and would love to have a future career as a journalist. So in this episode, you will hear Tiara as she interviews Keenan Blakey, and they will be talking about forming relationships on campus. But before that, we'll talk about black men's experience on campus in general. And in a 2021 dissertation done by Bobby D. Perry from Wichita State's School of Psychology, he stated that predominantly white institutions see the need to attract, enroll, and retain a diverse body of students, as they tend to have greater than 50% of the student body who identify as white. In contrast, African-American students made up 12% of the student population at four-year public, predominantly white institutions, 13% of the student population at four-year private nonprofit institutions, and 29% of the student population at four-year private for-profit institutions. Seeing that African-Americans make up such a small percentage of higher education institutions, PWIs are, are feverishly trying to grow the number of black students on their campuses. In order for an institution to make a genuine commitment to recruiting and retaining African-Americans, hearing and ultimately listening to the student voice is important. The student voice is often unheard, and specifically that of the black male voice. Black males are often left with identity struggles that tend to take on a particular intensity when the longing to attain self-conscious personhood means negotiating the multiple dimensions of their identities in environmental contexts that may be neither inclusive nor welcoming, rare, unrepresented, and hard to retain are words that researchers have used when describing black men on college campuses. Thus, it is perhaps not surprising that black males who attend PWIs frequently experience loneliness, isolation, and invisibility, which often are accompanied by mental anguish and academic costs. There's a must deeper issue at play here, but I felt it would be great to hear from a couple of these black men and get their thoughts around friendship and belonging. On that note, let's hear from Tierra and Keenan. Hi, Keenan. Hi. How's life? You know? Okay. The semester is going, so it's going. It is going. Okay, so I feel like the first question I should ask you is, how do the relationships you've cultivated at Georgetown differ from the ones back at home? Oh, so 
there was a huge change in my life from high school to college. In particular, I stopped playing sports. Um, so I, I played sports basically all year round except for the summer. And so a lot of my friends came from the sports teams that I was on. And so the the Georgetown scene very much still has its sports. And those people normally form a clique. But because I'm not within the sports teams anymore, um, I don't have access to those those same relationships. And the dynamic of the relationship is a bit different. Because with my other friends back home, we would have a relationship from from shared experience, whether it's coach yelling at us, whether it's taking a dub, taking an L on something. Uh, all of those made us become friends. But then coming into Georgetown, I had to find a different dynamic that created relationships. So it's it's a little bit more difficult to have a a connection with someone without that same shared experience or the, the same um, struggles that bring you together. There, there has to be something else that connects me to other people. Mm. And so how's how's that been so far? Like how where did you find your friends? What were you looking for when you came to Georgetown? What did that look like? Yeah, I I don't know what I was looking for when I came to Georgetown because I wasn't playing sports. I knew there would be a a change in that aspect. Um I was definitely hoping to find people that would have some sort of faith life. I wanted to be challenged in my faith. I wanted to meet people from other religious backgrounds as I'm Christian. Um I wanted, I wanted to be challenged overall, and I wanted to form friendships that weren't just an echo chamber, but others that would build me up as a person, but then I'd also have good relationships where we could watch movies together, play video games, I don't know, go get eats and stuff. Mm, that's so interesting. Um, when you say, like, you're looking for relationships that wasn't, like, really echo chamber what does that look like in terms of like academics and just doing things for fun? Yeah. So I grew up in in Kansas city and Kansas in general is not necessarily a monolith, but there can be a pretty stable level of, of cultural agreement or views on different topics. And I wanted to be challenged in first the cultural side. So coming to Georgia, Georgetown is definitely much different. Like the Northeast is completely different from where I have to drive 30 minutes to get to the nearest, I don't know, Chick-fil-A. Well, here I can walk right into Levy Center and go get uh, a Chick-fil-A sandwich. So the there there's a the huge difference in the pace of life, um, expectations for interactions with people. I can recall one time I was in Safeway. And I was reaching, like I was, I was in one of the aisles and I was reaching for something. And there was another woman in the aisle reaching for something similar. So then back where I'm from, you'd be like, oh, what you need that for? Like you having a barbecue was, what's going on? I said that to this woman and she looked over at me like I was crazy and then said, oh, blah, blah, blah. And then walked away. So I, at that moment realized I was in that different environment. So I'm definitely getting a taste of that different cultural experience. Uh, I'd say it academically as well. It's been interesting because like coming like from my school, I was one of the top in my class. And then I'm coming to a school where everyone else was pretty much the top in their class, where on a, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, if somebody has homework, they're actually not going to go out and party because 
people at the school do have at least some level of discipline, which is definitely different from what I'm used to experiencing. And and so the the culture around academics has been amazing. The the interactions and the different ideologies uh, that I came across were definitely outside of my the norm. And people had the intellect and the the educational background to back up their thoughts. And mm. that aspect of school has has definitely been great. Mm. So yeah, going back to like the cultural differences, I feel like also come from Georgia. I had those too. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this like is you, I'm not in Georgia anymore. Like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. People aren't gonna just talk to you randomly when you're in Safeway. Exactly. I didn't know what a Safeway was before. <laughs> no, I'm saying like we have Kroger. I feel like that's the best. I had never heard of that either. <laughs> Keeping it above, like, I, yeah, never. What's your equivalent? I don't know what Kroger's is. So you like Safeway? Oh, uh. Well, Kmart's kind of out of the equation now. I guess we have High V. Mm. I don't know if that's in other places. It's kind of weird because you're asking me about something that I think everyone has. Mm. Oh, Price Chopper. We have a, a place called Price Chopper. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, with those cultural differences in like both Kansas, <laughs> do you think you've adapted to like the culture here in? Yeah, have you adapted in any way? I think so. I think I've learned how to adjust to the environments when I'm inside of them and then go back to my like more familiar culture when I'm talking on the phone um with my parents or if some of my friends come into town, I can I can always jump back. I'd say one definitely is pace of life. Like Walking speed is completely different here. I found myself falling behind in the groups that I'm with often, but that that seems pretty um, innocuous. I would say rather like I have learned the the way to socially communicate. I'd say the style of communication is much different here where I'm not going to necessarily ask a random person about their day, um, but I, I can ask another student I don't know. What do you think about the different changes to Leo's? Like that that's a new thing that I can talk to someone about and that they'll give me an actual response to. But if I'm like, hey, how's your day going? They might not actually respond to that. Mm. Uh and I'd say in in general, I'm just getting to know the style of the school more, being in my third year here. And so I can have more more comfortable and, and fluid conversations. Mm. So, like, if you ask, how are you in, like, in Kansas, are people give you, like, are, you gonna give, are they going to give you an actual answer? It depends. It, mm-hmm. it depends. Um, if, if you see somebody on their hustle and bustle, then they're just going to be like, oh, I'm doing great, going good, the family's good. Uh, but then sometimes when you're waiting in line at the, the supermarket or something, you'll have a legitimate conversation. They're like, yeah, I'm excited to see the Chiefs play today. I've got burgers, mm-hmm. hot dogs, the family's coming over. Mm-hmm. And this can be a person I don't know as well, like my first time ever seeing them. Mm-hmm. So the, the conver- conversations are different and the dynamic is different. The expectation for what a interpersonal interaction is supposed to be like is not the same between like here in, in Kansas. That's interesting. Yeah. Going off of expectations, are your expectations of friends different here versus the the friends you have at home or just like any personal relationship you have at home? Hmm. 
I would say that the age that I'm at is more of the difference because having been like younger than 18 at the time, there were certain restrictions like laws, like, Oh, I can't go out and drink. I'm not supposed to do certain things um, that I had to abide by. So my expectation for my friends was like, Hey, don't do none of that stuff. If you're going to associate with me, cause I ain't trying to have it come back on me or nothing. Mm-hmm. But being in college as people are older and definitely have a higher level of Liberty. Um, I would say I still expect my friends to behave in a, a orderly manner in a way that doesn't come back to bite me. But at the same time, I don't have the the expectation that they just abide by what I deem to be correct. Hmm. Yeah. Has that changed? You you said that change happened when you came to college. Yeah, yeah. I think it was more so a, a change in my age um, and what is allowed socially that comes with the age. But also, I think um, if I'm going to get to understand other people's cultures or the other people's backgrounds i do have to be more open to to what they're used to Mm -hmm. yeah so in a sense do you see friends as like a reflection of yourself largely very much so i would say you can tell what a person is working towards or moving towards by their friends and (laughs) I, I think anyone else can agree with that. And so I want to associate with people that I believe are moving forward. And forward may look different to different people, but I think the the ultimate mindset of doing good for society, um, avoiding things that we know to be wrong is what I expect. And then anything that falls into the gray area of where I'd be like, I don't know if I do that myself, but I can see how someone else can do that. I'm cool with my friends having that perspective um, on those type of topics. Hmm. So I want to ask what role has your family played in your life and what you expect of your friends, how you form friendships, what role do they play? Yeah. My dad said one of the, one of the things that has stuck with me the most um, throughout my life is that experience is the teacher of fools. And the sense that if somebody that you trust gives you advice saying, hey, this is bad for you. Do not do it. You don't need to try it in order to know that it's wrong if you trust that person. And inside of that, um, my dad had said, like within that, if people show you who they are, believe them. Like if you see somebody to continually have bad habits, that's not, you're not just saying, oh, they're having a bad time. Like a lot of the time they're showing you who they really are uh, in the public light or in private, either one, I don't think, it's fair to really separate. Uh, and so I see my friends as those that are influencing me, whether I intentionally allow them to do so or not. And I want myself to be surrounded with people that are going to make me a better person rather than are just going to just validate me or let me have fun. I, I need for it to be truly beneficial to my future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you know, Georgetown is a PWI. So I don't know what your high school looked like back at home, but what does the demographic of your friends look like here? First, and compare it to your um, friends at home too. Yeah. So my middle school was predominantly Black and Hispanic. And then I went to a predominantly white high school. It was another Jesuit high school. And then I, of course, come here to Georgetown, which is predominantly white as well. So there was a separation between my, my middle school friends which were all black and Hispanic. 
And then I got to high school and my high school friends were predominantly white or the black people who the few black people who were on the sports teams. And then coming here to Georgetown, because a lot of black people are very good at sports. I, th- I think that's pretty clear by our programs here. <laughs> and uh, so because I'm not on the sports teams, it's hard to get into those cliques. And so the other black people that I've encountered here have mainly been through like the campus ministries. And so I'd say much, I'd say I have more black friends than I do for my high school, but ultimately less black friends than I did, for example, like my middle school. I'd say my strongest association uh, with other people of color is like calling my boys back home rather than here. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way too. I feel like, do you think there's a divide? And like, do you feel like you fit in with like other black clicks on campus if you're using that term yeah I would say I don't not to say that on the campus we're monolithic we're we're a monolith but I will say on this campus if you do not share the in many cases similar values in certain areas then you're shunned and especially as there are many less black people here than another place we don't have as much of an option to go from one group to another so i I, i'd say i divide georgetown's like black students into the the athletes i think which we all recognize and then outside Mm -hmm. at like not athletes i'd say those are the two sectors there's no i wouldn't say that there's really a third one Mm -hmm. that at least right now that i can think of and a lot of the values are my for example like i don't do drugs i don't drink i don't i don't do any of those type of things and so a part of, I'd say, the non-athletic group is doing those things. Like if you go to the, the Black House, if you mm-hmm. want to go up to Howard and stuff like that, a lot of the community is going to be doing those things. And I, I don't want to be in that type of environment. And so unfortunately, that ostracizes me from that group of people. I've I found like individuals who are also outside of that group that I can call my friends, but within that group, there's there's not really that connection. Mm. Yeah. That's like a really, that's really well put. I, I feel, I feel like that too. Last, especially last year, I didn't have like that many black friends. And then like this mm-hmm. year I started getting more, I was like really excited about it, but it was like, why don't I fit into this group? And then I kind of like understood why, but I didn't really want to like put words to it. Yeah. Because like, it, it just sounds bad. Like, oh, like they don't have the same values I do. Like that's like, that just sounds yeah. bad to people. But like you, in your, in your head, you're like, oh, that's, this is why I don't. Yeah. I mean, rhetoric is definitely a thing. And I think often inside of our community, we have very dividing rhetoric. I was like, either you're with us or you're against us. It was like, well, no, maybe I'm with you, but I just don't do exactly what you do. Or I have slightly different beliefs. And I think we've, fallen into believing the rhetoric rather than the actual logic or reason behind certain things. And that's very divisive uh, within the Georgetown Black community, I see. Mm. And your middle school back at home, like because it was a predominantly Black and Hispanic school, Mm -hmm. were you able to find your place there much more easily? Yeah. Well, first I was still doing sports and I'd say you're always going to find Black dudes in basketball. (laughs) <laughs> but I would, yeah, I would say it was, it was much easier. I was able to find people of a, of a similar faith background and of different faith backgrounds as well. Uh, 
and in general, there was because there were so many just the sheer number of students allowed for there to be different groups for me to fit better into. But Georgetown just really doesn't have that option. Mm. And is that a, do you think it's a problem just because like we don't have enough black people, like enough um like group of black people that go to Georgetown? That's why it's like limited in that aspect. I would think so. And I'd, I'd actually be interested in like seeing what other demographics think, like the Asian demographic. Well, there's quite a few Asians here at the school, especially internationally. Um, but I think just because of the the number of people and then also I'd say the politics of the school can sometimes play into it as well, but not as much to the extent of just not having that many black people, mm. um, because I think with sheer numbers does come diversity. And because we do have a lower number of people and more, most of them coming from the, the Northeast, mm-hmm. uh, it really reduces uh, the chances of like differing opinions or, or ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the biggest, like, I don't want to say life lessons, but I guess, yeah. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned or the challenges that you've learned in making new, in making new relationships here? And then also, if you if you still had those um, challenges back at home, if that makes sense. Could you reclarify? Yeah. So, did you find any major themes, or did you have to change something, or did you learn something with making friends here versus back at home? Yeah, I would say at first I would just like if if I saw somebody to be uh, too different from me. Or like to not have the values that I look for in a person, I would disassociate completely. But I think a part of being able to make friends, especially outside of sports, is the ability to accept the differences in each person. As long as I I think, of course, as long as they're not like full of malice or something like that, you can have a relationship with anybody and it's it's a choice to care for the well-being of the person rather than it just being we have commonalities let us band together like that it's more so a choice in the in the relationships and I found that to be pretty relevant to my relationships back home because um, I don't I don't get to go back to Kansas too too often and so maintaining those friendships has to be very intentional and so when I call them, it's like, hey, I'm doing this because I want to check up on you. I want to keep our relationship. Um, and I think if I wouldn't have learned that in college and I had just moved elsewhere, I didn't go to college or something, those relationships would have taken a toll or might not have been here. Uh, yeah, without that intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because you live like really far away from Kansas and you have to make that that intentionality is there. It has to be like it's important. How hard is it to um keep calling your friends back home like year after year oh very 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 difficult <laughs> like it, it 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 has to be very purposeful because I mean we all know that DC is a very busy place I'm more busy this semester than I've ever been uh like my Mondays and Wednesdays I I don't have a 30 minute break in my schedule until the night mm-hmm. uh because I'm just in so many different things that I of course care about it's not like Oh, I have to do a reading because I will call my friends over doing a reading any day of the week. But it's the things that I do care about that are also taking the time. So I have to purposefully make time for my friends if I'm going to keep the relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And do your friends understand that as well? Or do they, and do they understand how busy you are? I would say for my friends that are in college right now, they can understand to an extent, but many of them went to like state schools as well. And I don't think, of course, depending on your major in those schools, it can change your workload, but they don't understand the extent to how busy like Georgetown students can truly get. Uh, But they, they have a general idea, but those outside of college, they're like, well, you don't have to go to school from eight to four anymore, eight to three anymore. What do you mean? You really don't have time. And so I'd say that can definitely be difficult to show them, but I'd say ultimately my friends are understanding of the situation. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people can relate to that and Mm -hmm. the intention, like also getting people like going back home and getting everyone in the same room is really hard. It's extremely hard because everyone's like, Oh, I'm back only for a few days. So I got to go see my aunt. I got to go see my grandma. Like everyone's got to do something. So finding that time is difficult. Yeah, like everyone's working and you're like, how is this time? They're like, no, I'm, like, well, that's I'm, I'm available. So what do you want for me? Like, what about an hour later? It's like, no, I can't do an hour later because blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like hanging out, this gets later and later. Like, okay, everyone, we're going to meet at 9 p.m. <laughs> exactly. So also, do your friendships here have like a different feel around them? And I guess what I mean by that is, is there more of like a like a driven aspect or like are their motivations different compared to your friends back home or your previous friends? Yes. I'd say a, a large majority of my friends that I've made here have come from the campus ministries. And so the, the center of our relationship is our faith in God rather than uh, just, I don't know that we both like video games that we both like to go out and eat that we both like, uh, watching NFL and that gives it a completely different feel in itself and also the fact that as I said before a lot of the people here are driven they they often are going to their internships they're often uh, going to their jobs they're they're doing different research projects and so that changes the actual content of the conversation and so if I'm talking with my boys back home it's normally about things that are not relatively as important or as pressing or um, that that can be forgotten in the the near future. But then if I have a conversation with one of my friends here, he's like, oh yeah, today in my internship at the opportunity to meet this person and I made this connection. And that's like something that sets them up for the future. And so the, the relationship is definitely focused around college more than just life in general while back home it's more so life in general that the relationship is balanced around Mm. that's interesting yeah because i feel like many people have like a group of lifelong friends and that you like Mm -hmm. they're people you could go to for anything and i feel like when you transition to college it's more like you said centered around jobs and careers and how to like get a like a future you know maintain a future so do your like with a lot of friends here do you see yourself have do you have like a lifelong group of friends here that you think will be there or would it just be for like I don't know temporary sounds very bad but like not as tight-knit yeah I definitely have the opportunity to make really close friends like I I already know for a fact uh, at least four or five of them that will be my friends for forever, especially my roommate. Um, 
being able to live with someone, you get to get close to them and either you separate or you get closer. So I guess the fact that I'm I'm still in my room with him now uh, means that something went right. And mm-hmm. so I'd definitely say like my roommates now, they're amazing people and we're able to talk about work, but then we can also talk about life together. There, there's a, a good balance between the two. And ultimately, those are the people that are looking out for my well-being rather than potential job prospects or can I get your LinkedIn or Georgetown introductions or something. So mm-hmm. so I noticed you said faith is very important for you, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to friends. Is faith like your number one thing that you want to connect with someone on when you're making new friends or is it like open? For me, it's completely open. I would say it's important for a person to have faith, but faith isn't what makes somebody my friend. Like it, you can have no faith. You could be an a lot of my friends are atheists. One of my, my good friends that I go out to eat with all the time is atheist. And we'll we'll go back and forth about how I'm stupid, how he's stupid. But that's that's our, our point of bonding. It's it's actually all love there. Um, I'd say the main thing a person has to have is an open mind to have a conversation. Because as I said, like being at Georgetown, often saying a statement is walking on eggshells. And you often you have to toe the line. And that is mainly because people think that they're open-minded but they're really not like if you immediately uh demonize someone without actually listening to the person then you're not open-minded i can say with decent clarity uh but as soon as a person is willing to have any level of conversation and isn't immediately um looking to attack then i think that's the sign of, of a person that is good like a person that listens is more valuable than than any other trait, I think, at this time. And I'd say one uh, characteristic that all of my friends have is being good listeners and willing to hear out other people's ideas. Mm. Yeah. And would you say you found more of those types of friends, like very open-minded friends here? Yes. Because I think also because of the numbers, this is much bigger than my high school. Uh, and I would say a lot of people are held to one side of the belief like I'd say my high school being Jesuit is pretty right, very right leaning. And then coming here, it's very left leaning. But so there there are both sides of the intolerance, like of the intolerant. And I have found a lot of people that don't associate with the the further sides who are just like that just have their beliefs because they believe them to be true and and actually want to reconcile and and make uh the United States better, make the world better. And those are the people that I have come to become like close friends with and kansas is like a red state it's like mainly republican right a swings republican it, it depends on where you go if you go to wichita like i'm not going out there because <laughs> it ain't safe for me i'm not going to springfield missouri because that's not safe but mm-hmm. in inside of like kansas city i'd say it's decently well balanced i think it's blue in its entirety but not it it's I would say it's much more balanced than a lot of places, especially in the more metropolitan areas. But the further you go out into into the over yonder, then that's where the dangers increase. <laughs> over yonder. So I know you said you look for open-minded friends. Um, mm-hmm. Was is there like a disconnect? Like, is polit- does politics play a part in your friendships? In any way? 
I think so. I would say yes. Um, but there, it's it's not the center of the relationships. But we also don't have the we we don't have to avoid the conversation because we all respect each other. So I have friends that um are le- like very left leaning. I have friends that are very right leaning. But when those two come into the room together, they're they're not like at each other's heads. Maybe they're yelling at each other, but it's in joke. It's in it's in fun or enthusiasm, not in I hate you. You're an evil person. You should not exist anymore. And so it's it it's actually like decently fun to talk about politics or it's it's not something to avoid talking about in the presence of my friends, which I think is contrary to what a lot of people think is possible when talking about something so heated. Mm. Yeah, I I wondered about that. Like, politics is very divisive, and I but I feel like here I don't know about any other place because I haven't gone to any other college, mm-hmm. but, but I feel like people are more like have like a more of an open mind in that sense. They like you may not mm-hmm. change their mind, obviously, but yeah. they're willing to hear you out. Yeah, it it depends on the person at this college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah, man. But overall, do you think your friendships are you really are you proud of the friends you made here? And the Definitely. friends that 100%, 100%. The way I met uh my roommate last year and then my sweet mate this year, uh me and him him and I were in a the problem of God class our freshman year online during COVID. And we were on a certain topic and he quoted somebody and I was like, oh, I kind of like that philosopher. Like I, I read a lot of his stuff. And then I said something and he was like, oh, you read him too. Wow, that's crazy. And so we had a bonding experience over like interest in philosophy. And <laughs> we also had read the same philosophy. This, this sounds very Georgetown or very nerdy, uh, but the same philosophers who encountered those philosophers arguments. Like we we had a very shared experience in that moment and so after that he came to be my roommate and now i would i would say not inseparable this sounds kind of weird but we're 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 really close buds like i don't think i don't think our friendship will ever separate he's he's a lifelong friend and i think the relationships that i have built here not only are going to continue to build me but are also sustaining me for now it's not just networking it's not um just for what i can get out of the people the the value is are the people that i'm meeting now i totally forgot your first years on COVID, like on zoom yes <laughs> completely I on totally zoom. forgot wait that's a whole different dynamic mm-hmm. so, like it's so, like what was that like because i feel like the majority of like make the process of making friends is like randomly meeting someone in the elevator Mm -hmm. like running into someone in the halls like how did you how did you uh, navigate that experience oh it's you bond off the most random stuff like if let's say the the teacher cracks a joke and it hits or it doesn't hit and you and another person have a very similar reaction that was a bonding experience or I don't know. You see something in the background of somebody's room. Like if I see a an NFL team's like helmet or like something related to sports, then I might send them a message like, oh, do you like this? Uh, 
those type of things will be the things to spark conversation. But I'm not just going to like unmute myself on Zoom and be like, hey, Jason, blah, 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 blah. Like you don't have that opportunity. You don't have like a direct shared space individually with those people. And so a lot of it is very random things you'll see or, yeah, just shared reactions to to different actions in the class. That's so crazy. That's actually wild because I feel like I wouldn't have any friends if I started my freshman year on on Zoom. Yeah, it was it was rough. I didn't have many. I did not have many. And I'm terrified. Like my worst fear is like you're like direct messaging someone on Zoom and then everyone's. Yes, yes. The sheer amount of times I have like quadruple checked to make sure that it was not sent to everyone. I can't I can't handle that stress. I'll have no friends. You were yeah. bold. That's bold. I was. And I've seen people mess up and accidentally send to the entire class. <laughs> and that made me check many times again. Mm. That's yeah. terrifying. Wow, good for you. We'd be roasting the teacher in the chat, everything. It just no, 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 no. Because that if that goes to everyone. Oh, it's I, over. I'm dropping the class. I'm <laughs> I'm dropping it. I'm out. No, I was just like, I would have to leave. Mm-hmm. Wow. For sure. So, like, also going back on that, you made some, like, you met your roommate, like, kind of over Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. So was it weird, like, coming back sophomore year and, like, seeing those people in person? And, like, how was that? Because I know it's, like, over, like, over the phone, like, your relationship with someone's very different. Mm-hmm. Was it, did your relationships get like were you guys closer like how did that change when you met in person well first you only see like the upper part or just the head of someone on zoom so you don't actually know their like physique or like their 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 how tall they are how big they are like anything and so a lot of people i'd see their face and i'd be like i know who you are but I don't know who you are. Why do you look like, like, you're not what I imagine in my head. Or like, I had a person tell me, like, I'm 6'2". I had a person tell me they thought I was like 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, and I was like, okay, all right. Like, I guess it'd be like that sometimes. And so like, I would say that in particular was weird. And I think there was just a weird bit of social interaction going from Zoom or like not having as much social interaction that we had before COVID. And so going back into that was a bit awkward, but eventually it was, it was second nature because I got to know those people decently well. Like I was, I, I joined group chats with them. I actually talked with them. Uh, and so those, eventually I got to actually know them as people. And I would say it was pretty consistent from what I saw online. Oh, so like you guys found a new way to communicate. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes like I had FaceTime my roommate, times before like we, we had met each other uh i had joined like discord chats different group me chats where we had just done like group facetime calls of the f- like friend group that we had made uh that that was the main way for us to interact yeah i wasn't i wasn't completely starved during covid but i, I didn't have too much wow that's different so you guys are like the last students to like have covid like i I just came in my freshman year that must be so nice because i didn't get to end my senior year of high school so i didn't get prom or nothing like that no my i didn't get canceled yeah so bad 
And it's then like so crazy. I didn't get any of like like debate state championships, like none of the sports championships, none of that. They they just got canceled, cold turkey. And then I get into college and it feels like the fifth year of high school because there was no real transition. I was still online looking at just different teachers with different students that I'd never seen before. It didn't feel like college. Like right now, I feel like a sophomore because I've only been here for two years. But, you know, one more year after this. No, don't say that. That's sad, I know. It's that's really sad. No, Kayla told me, she just told me something. She was like, because I'm studying abroad next year, and then in the spring, and she's like, "Oh, you're not going to see the wait." You are? Yes. You and Kayla? No, Kayla is. She's going on the fall. I know, but that's still one less semester we have. That sucks. And then you're. Why are you going? Why not go like your senior year? No, I need my senior year to be in Georgetown. Why not summer then? I need to, I'm doing summer. I'm going to try to do summer this summer. And then, so you don't have to do in the spring. No, I need to. Yes, for you not to have to do it in the spring. Exactly. That that makes complete sense. I need to do summer and I need to do a full semester. Why do you need to do that? Because I need the experience. Do you? Yes. I'm not graduating until I study abroad for a full semester. That's it's all right. Just you right. know, friends. They... <laughs> yeah, sorry to drop that on you. <laughs> so sad. That's really wow. sad. But we'll live it up. Yay! Yay! Wow. You, but uh, going back to that. Sorry, this will be like we're gonna wrap up. But going back to that. You kind of had like the reverse COVID because even though you're still in COVID and you're still at home and you, you saw people. But, like, when you saw them in person, they kind of looked different. Yes. Which I had, like, I just saw people with the mask. And they just... That was difficult as well. And I'm like, whoa, whoa. That's not how I imagine your face behind the mask. Whoa. Yeah. I'm happy those times are over as well. Mm Mm-hmm. It feels really weird to wear a mask now. Yeah. It does. I normally offer the cloth if I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I can't do it at 95. Oh, no, the duck mask that like went behind your head. No, 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 no. Yeah. You're like, I'm going to suffocate if I wear that now. Yeah. I don't know how I did that. Worked out at Yates in a mat. I do not miss that. at all. I forgot all about that. You. Oh, wow. And it would get like wet so then the structural integrity of the mask would just go like stop stop continuously suffocating it was not it was wow no my friend her sister was like she's a nurse and she went to the gym wearing the two masks and she worked out with two masks that's not possible okay well thank you for talking to me oh wait before you go i i totally skipped our introduction can you please introduce yourself for the people? Who are you? Yeah, Georgetown introduction? Yes, Georgetown introduction. Hi, my name is Keenan Blakey. I am a junior in the college, majoring in both French and Korean. Uh, and I'm from Kansas, but I currently live in Tanzania. So. 
Okay, thank you. But why do you live in Tanzania again? That's a long story. Oh, okay. Too, lo- too, too long to explain in, okay. in a short segment. Next time, next time. Okay, thank you. Yep. Muchas gracias. I truly love the honesty and candor between these current students. I was very surprised by the fact that athletics and geography was the driver around how black men on campus connected or didn't connect. Hopefully more conversations like these can break down these barriers. Great job, Tierra and Keenan. Black Men Speak was written and produced by Tierra Cunningham and edited by me, Keith Dent. You can catch previous episodes at Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. As you know, we always like to end the episode with a quote, and this one comes from Jesse Jackson. It reads, the only justification for ever looking down on somebody is to pick them up. This is Keith Den from the Black Men Speak podcast. Peace.